This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Always on time. Episode 123. JR, I have to imagine. Good morning, by the way. I have to imagine you you were late a couple times in the NHL, I'm sure. Um maybe once. Just once? Maybe Never late once. to a practice or a game or anything. All those years. All those nights uh, out. Never missed a flight. Nope. Nope. The only time I was late would, would have been either an accident. I think it was an accident, not mine, and I couldn't get off the highway back in Chicago. Our traffic was awful, but I, I was never late for anything. One thing, my, one thing my dad always said, I'm always early. I'm on Lombardi time. You know Lombardi time? If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Uh, you know, I learned very, very early that time is precious. You don't get any more of it. And That's not the late, exact saying, though, is it? Like, yes, I feel like yes, it's it a is. little bit. No. Are you sure it doesn't 50, go something like this? Or, hey, does it not go something like this? If you're five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late, which means be there 15 minutes before. Well, that's not what Lombardi said. I think Lombardi said you can look it up and Google it. If you're not 15 minutes early, then you're late. Okay, so I guess they're saying the same thing. Well, yeah, what they're saying is <laughs> being on time, being on time is the most important thing maybe in a person's character because you have to make sure that you respect other people's time. And if other people are waiting for you and waiting for you and your time is being wasted, then you're disrespecting their time. A lot like fucking Air Canada fucking <laughs> did to me last week, those fucking motherfuckers. <laughs> They wasted two days of my life that I'll of, never get back. What's up with all these hockey celebrities having trouble? Yeah, you and, uh, you and Wit right now are just uh, poster childs for uh, Air Canada. Oh, bro, like it's... He it, was Toronto Pearson Airport. You are you're Air I was, Canada. No, no. Uh-uh. I started in Pearson. Hey, I'm never take, traveling again. Take a breath. <laughs> Until they figure all this shit out. With what? Uh, then, here, let way, me ask know, you this I know, question. I know JR. it's everywhere. I know travel everywhere is bad, but this was the question. Bad. That's the question I was going to ask. You know, as much as um, as much as Ryan Whitney went and tore apart, you know, Pearson Airport in Toronto, and you've uh, obviously had some, uh, you know, some tough travels of your own in the last couple of days with Air Canada. I guess my question is. Why is it like this? Because Air Canada was not like this before. Okay, that's number one. Air Canada is, is a is a pretty strong, reputable, uh, you know, place to to fly with. And my other question is, are the other companies like this? So you guys, saw or is this like- just, or is this just airports in general? The last, is this just of- Canada? Is it no, just no, Canada? Because no, you no, travel no. all over the U.S. right now. So th- I, this is this is a two part question, okay? Uh, number one, air travel everywhere is terrible, okay? You saw in in the states, twenty thousand flights were canceled over over the weekend, twenty thousand, okay? okay? That's not all weather related, okay? So I think everything everything starts from the top, okay? We never had these problems before COVID. We've never had these problems before 
at least in the states. Yeah, he's listen. I I don't want to get into it. This is this is uh, this is a hockey podcast, and uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't right, want to. Let's talk hockey. Go let's there. talk hockey. Let's talk hockey. How the hell? <laughs> how in the hell do you lose seven nothing one day, and two days later win six two? How does that happen? Like. Well, here's the thing, JR. This is our podcast, and we ask the questions around here, and you you would know better than anybody. You guys have great opinions, and I was just blown away by that. Yeah. I asked the same question the other day, and and Tampa, Tampa showed us something the other night that I think is going to be a, a telltale sign here in this in this series and that is that they are so mentally tough that they can get their asses kicked seven nothing and turn around and come back and not even be happy with the way that they played they were not even they were not even happy with the way that they played which is that's, that's interesting that's interesting. Well, I think it's a twofold too, where you have the, the Colorado Avalanche that we talked about this before the series started. That the only way I thought that that Colorado would lose is if they decided that they wanted to to go brain dead on the system, or on keeping it simple, on doing things properly, on getting good goaltending. Um, and in Game Three. I mean, whether it was really hot, I don't know what the weather conditions, I don't know what the ice conditions were. Maybe they didn't feel comfortable, but they got into, uh, again, a game where they took chances, they weren't smart with the puck, they got terrible goaltending, and they got trounced. You know, that, that's, that's, that's how small a margin it is in the National Hockey League between winning and losing. It's, just, it's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. The other thing, too, JR, um, there's no difference in the playoffs between a two, one loss and the seven, nothing loss means nothing. It's a loss. I got to agree with you. I think when you're at this stage of the game, when you're, when, when you have a team that has, uh, you know, almost the entire team has a Stanley cup ring. They understand the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of, of the playoffs through round one, two, three, and four. They're in round four. They're in the Stanley Cup finals. They've been here before. They understand that if you lose a game, seven, 10, 14, nothing. It's the same as a loss of a 2-1 loss. So they put it behind them. I bet you uh, John Cooper never even you know, looked at the, the, the tape, never even showed uh, the video to the boys after that. He probably just said, boys, throw this one in the garbage. It wasn't our, yeah, it that, wasn't our best. We don't know, need that's to a look great, at it. That's a great view. And I, I think a great comment, because I totally agree with you, because usually a lot of coaches that they would, they would just depict and go out and just dissect that tape. I told, that's an unbelievable statement by you that would, I would absolutely believe that John Cooper would do because he's such a great coach. Great, great call. That's right. That's right. Listen, I mean, he's at this stage in the game, he's not going to show video to, to help their system. Every one of those players knows on Tampa Bay knows the strengths and weaknesses of Colorado. They know what they have to expose. And, 
you know, in, 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 in the games in Colorado, it just seemed like the, the energy in the building was, was a factor. Okay. Um, home ice advantage, I think is more important now than ever before, because I think you have two teams that are, that have firepower, two teams that, that can defend, um, Matchups are key. Matchups, matchups are, key. are key. Now, now Tampa Bay has last change, which people, maybe most people at home that are watching the game don't really watch and look into, but it's a major, major, major factor. It's, it's the mm-hmm. biggest thing when it comes to two top end teams playing against each other is making sure that you have the right matchup against those players each, every time they're on the ice. And now Tampa and, and, Bay and, has that luxury. Yeah. And going back to your statement about watching the game, I'm sure the coach just said, hey, listen, we cannot let these guys watch what happened in game two and the total dominance of what Colorado did to Tampa and even get a, an inkling in their head that, oh, my God, these guys are better than us. Throw it away. And you're right. A 2-1 loss, a 7 nothing loss is a loss. Let's go back, regroup. We got our own fans back behind us. Let's go get one back first boys we were down two nothing in the first, in the last round and this you know that takes me back to the mindset part though too because you know as i was saying yesterday to craig it, it it's not like you're one night you're losing to you know the best team in the league or the best team the other best team in your division or conference and then going and playing montreal you know what i mean like you're you're playing the best team in the other conference, but then you're playing them again and you're able to rebound like that. So, I I mean, I just, I see seven, nothing. And I just come on the show here and I just start saying it's over. It's, it's absolutely over. And I can't wait. It's going to be four games and we're going to be going to bed early every night till September, October, starting next week. It's great. And here we are, you know, I'm, and here I am thinking, there's no way Tampa's going to lose tonight. There's no way Tampa Bay is going to lose tonight. I want Colorado to win, but they're not going to lose tonight. Tampa's winning at home again, and we're going to have a seven-game series when I thought this thing would be wrapped up in four. That's what blows my mind. Sorry. That's all no, I have I, to say. I, no, I think, no, I think there's a lot to it. And, you know, what Riv said earlier, this team, that they don't panic. They are as calm. I mean, they've already won two cups, and they haven't won two cups without going through major adversity. Uh, now, ma- the major adversity was if you're down three goals with two minutes left in the game in, in the in the closeout game. That's major adversity. You're probably not gonna, so nothing's going to bother these guys. They're just going to go play, and every single player on that team did their job. I mean, how Pat, like Pat Maroon again? I mean, this guy shows how. The, and I hate to call Pat Maroon a plumber, but he's a fucking plumber. But you can't you can't live in a house without having good plumbing. And that fuck motherfucker every year seems to do something great. Sorelli is doing great things. Look at Corey Perry showing the old fashioned grit and battle and and attitude. You know, punching people in the face, punching the goaltender in the chest. Yapping, scoring goals, being—I mean, you got to, you got to, you got to give a lot of credit, um, not only to um, to Breezebois, but to Eiserman and to John Cooper to have the right team with the right mentality and the right mix. Now, granted, do they win? I don't think they will, but 
they're going to go down with one of the biggest fights that Colorado is, is going to have for a long time. Hey, tell me what these two players have in common or, or don't, uh, what separates these two players. 1,363 games, 513 goals, 1,216 points. Okay, that's player A. Player B, 649 games, 112 goals, 274 points. What's the difference between those two players? One has three cups and one has zero. That's Motherfucker. Absolutely, that's absolutely Motherfucker. Right. How, does that, how, do, how does that happen? How does that happen? He has a chance to win, win four cups four. in a row. Four in a row. Like, who does that? Who Corey, do- Perry, Corey Perry has a chance of losing three in a row. Oh, that's right. That's- that's crazy. Stats, yeah, because he was Dallas, Montreal. And now now Tampa. Yeah. Oh talk yeah. about talk about talk about using using your your um free agency status to find the right team, right? Or maybe the wrong team. Frustration becomes crazy. At least he well, has a all, cup already. Remember Marion Hosa sw- swapped teams and lost. Remember Swap he teams. went to the finals back with back. Pittsburgh. They lost to Detroit. Lost. Then he went to Detroit, and they lost to lost Pittsburgh. To Pittsburgh. <laughs> Could that, you imagine a, if then he lands in that's Chicago? A that's a kick in the balls. Well, yes, but if he doesn't land in Chicago and win three there, or what? Did he win two or three? I think he won three, right? I think he won yeah. three in Chicago. If he doesn't go to Chicago and win three, and he doesn't win any, that is like the ultimate. Yeah. Holy I guys! I told you guys in 1992 when we're playing when we're when I was in the finals against Pittsburgh. Steve Larmer said, "Jr., we got to. You have to take advantage of this. We have to win this because you might not ever get back to the Stanley Cup final again. This might be the only chance you have." And I'm like, I'm 22 years old. I'm laughing at him. I'm like, I'm gonna have tons of opportunities. I'm gonna be in the finals like tons of time. Never got back to the finals again. Got to the conference finals a bunch of times, but never to the Stanley Cup final. And I was like, holy shit, that is just, that's, I mean, they say it's the hardest trophy to win in sports. I believe that more than any comment or, or slogan on the planet. Then 2004, I had the best team I was ever on. And then 2007, 2008, the other best team I was ever on, we got bounced by, in the, by Tampa in the quarterfinals. I mean, in the, sem- in the semifinals, in the conference finals. Didn't win there. Besides that, the closest I ever came to winning a cup is I was going to sign in Detroit in 2001. Oh, with right? the mega team? A, yeah, because I was a free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent. I was going to sign in Detroit. So it was between Philly and Detroit, Philly and Detroit. So I decided, my wife is like, yeah, Detroit's not a really good horse area. It's not, you know, like I can't ride horses here. And then all of a sudden, Rick Tockett calls me up and says, hey, you got to come to Philly. You know, we got a bomb team too, so on and so forth. Tock was one of my best friends in the world, so I decided to go to Philly. So Detroit signs Dominic Kasich. They win the cup that next year. So I could have, well, I could have signed in Detroit, won a cup, but then you could have that argument that if they didn't sign Dominic Kasich, who was the biggest part of winning that cup, he probably wouldn't have won the cup. But Hearsay, Monday morning well, quarterback. The, the other question, I just, I'm JR. Just jinxed. I was just jinxed. The other question, JR, is would they have had the money to pay you? Because you got paid handsomely in, in Philly. Yeah, I did. Um, well, they offered me a good contract, in, a very good contract in Detroit. I actually took a little bit less money. How much? Philly. That was pre-cap. How much? 
so I got I got three offers that I was mulling over. Detroit gave me a, a, a great offer. Uh, it was it was little over about just 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 under eight million a year for five years. And Boston offered me, I believe at the time, was the biggest contract in the history of the Boston Bruins because they weren't known for big contracts. And they were offering me over 40. They're like, it was like 40, 42, was it 42 for five years? Yeah, it was like 42 for five years. And they had just gotten rid of Billy Garrett, right? So I'm sitting there saying, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, and you offer me that kind of money, but you're getting rid of a Billy Garen. Billy Garen's a pretty integral piece if you want to win a Stanley Cup. So I'm like, I, I can't, I, I don't want to go to Boston because they're getting rid of pieces that would have helped me win a cup. So I ended up going to Philly for less money than both Detroit and Boston because I felt they had the best chance. I mean, Simone Gagne, John LeClaire. Um, Mark Recchi, Desjardins. I mean, we had they had a bomb team at the time, and we even got better as you know as the years went along. But gosh, it's just amazing how hard it is to win that cup, man. It's crazy. Well, sorry to bring that up, but I just I had we were talking Pat Maroon, and I just I had to compare like guy no, has guys got a chance great. to win, guys got a chance well, to at, win four. I mean, Joe Thornton's in the same situation, right? Arguably the best playmaker in the history of the game. let's uh let's talk nhl awards did did you i mean jared i don't know if you watch them or if you just i watched a little bit i watched a little bit i'm i'm in shock i gotta i gotta talk about i gotta are you in shock by awards are you in shock by what i'm in shock by um i don't know what you're in shock by yet i'm in shock by how i'm just so let me get this off my chest you have an air canada thing this will not take that this will not take quarter of the time i cannot get over how the nhl just keeps serving up dog shit product <laughs> like like you explain the the, the nhl all-star game complete embarrassment like embarrassing from like with the amount of money they have the production value it you you have these athletes sitting in a room and you've got keenan thompson cracking jokes and guys are just in pain you got a guy you got two guys there that are in the middle of a stanley cup final that this is the last place they want to be do you think kale mccarr cares about his norris trophy i believe he would love to win a norris trophy but right now his mind is not on the awards you got Victor Hedman sitting there who looks so unamused. And when the camera goes on him, he's got to crack a, a, a half-ass smile through a beard because he's probably in pain sitting there, you know, trying to get ready for game four, right? The, the show is embarrassing. It's not funny. Like, enough with the hokey bullshit. Enough. You know, you know, you know what, I, what I noticed in the short time that I watched? Like at, at least, at least prep the people that you're going to put on television to be interesting or to be, do something. When when Keenan went, when they were talking about that young kid, the kid that um, that won the award that was on the national development team, right? And he's sitting there with his dad. By the way, do you not bother to dress up? <laughs> the kid's wearing a, a USA hockey golf shirt, and the dad's wearing another 
golf shirt of some other with some other logo. I mean, you guys are at the NHL awards. Like, don't be afraid to put a suit on. Number one, number two. Well, who's who know, was it? Uh, the hat is it Hatton Hutton Hatton? The uh, I can't kid. remember the kid's name. Yeah, but yeah, he 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 won the award for like promise for like the promising uh, prospect, and he what he did. He, he's on the national development team. Kid's a hell of a hockey player, but man, what a dud of a of a personality because here he's on national television and keaton comes over and goes hey are you old enough to be here uh, yeah, obviously like, not of course you're not old enough to be there you can't you can't drink so he's telling keep, an eye, keep, keep an eye on him at the bar <laughs> like yeah, oh my yeah. god it's just so cringy and, i'm just and, then, and i feel bad for the kid i feel bad for the dad because then he he just yeah, like, oh my i don't, don't feel bad for them because they couldn't even <laughs> they couldn't even crack and uh uh hi they said nothing it was like this is they're this probably is nervous thing. as hell they're on like this massive stage yeah, but prep them, man. yeah prep, prep them. them prep them do something like the, the kid the kid goes like this this is his this is his facial reactions <laughs> was his name lane hudson yeah yes. yeah yes like and the dad, then the dad goes and the dad gives an expression like this. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't it. pick on them. I can't and, pick and, on and them. Then, and then you have the host They're, going. The they host probably going. didn't even know that this was happening. They probably didn't oh even. But God. the whole show was complete. Oh, it just oh is God. so embarrassing. Like it's just do better. Do better. Like the. By the way, it, I, by the way, I hope that Hudson kid has a great career because he's a he's a hell of a hockey player. But boy, he needs some. He needs some media training. They all do. They all need. They all need media training. So man. that like, that kid, we played against him our our, our whole life. Um, he was uh, the kid is literally pinballed all over the United States. Really? Um, he started in uh, in Chicago playing for the Chicago Young Americans, and this is when he was like, I mean, nine, ten years old. You wouldn't even believe how good he was. Like, I can't explain to you how good he was, wow. but he was the smallest kid on the ice. Like, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking half the size of kids that were already very small. Um, he is a tremendous talent. He's moved all over the place. Like, he's gone to, uh, he, I think he went to Detroit, played at, uh, for Honey Baked, because they recruited him because they were the big, uh, they were the big, big dog in the youth ho hockey world. Then he went from uh, Detroit to uh, Honey Bake. He went to New Jersey, played in New Jersey on a team. Like it was North just, Jersey Avalanche. Yeah, North Jersey Avalanche. He's pinballed all over the place. But, uh, you know, like, listen, I mean, the guy's got this young kid has world class talent. But it's going to be extremely interesting. Like he's, I think he's rated. He might be rated in the first round. Like I think he's mm -hmm. rated like thirty second overall. But we're talking tiny. Like I don't understand like how he is going to play in the NHL. He's five eight one seventy three. What do you mean? What are you talking about? It's prime for guys that size. Look at uh, Clayton Keller. Five eight yeah. one seventy three. Well, yeah. well, you got the short guys. You got look at Marshawn. Was his dad on Mar his back? Mar Marshawn is what five nine, five ten. You have Tory Krug, who's Tory Krug's got to be five five nine. 
Yeah. I mean, Tory Krug is a hell of a hockey player. If I, ever, listen, if there's ever a time to play in the NHL when you're small is right now. Oh, you no. Can't touch them. 5'8", 159. <laughs> Sorry. So you can't. Right. So you yeah. can't, 50, if just there's ever a time, 15 pounds and uh, – in what? Yeah. Three less than thirty yeah. seconds. Great. Hey, this this is a this is a time in the in the in the NHL where you can play as a small player because speed and agility and and smarts and talent because you can't hit anymore. You can't hook and hold. The strength of of the guys back in the early nineties, late eighties, they could hook you, they could hold you. They can control you. They can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. So these little speed fucking water bugs, they fly around. You can't touch them. And they do great things with the puck and they become offensive threats. You couldn't yep. do that back in the day. Um, but I, I wish him luck. But listen, you got like, he needs media training. I felt so bad <laughs> last night. I felt so bad last night for Roman Yossi. I, I felt so bad for this guy. Like, th- number one, listen. Did you see him? Did you see him sitting there? Every time the camera panned on him, it looked like somebody shit in his Cheerios. He was so like, it just seemed like he was in a bad mood. He got passed over. In all the, of yeah, them there. Whether you're going to yeah. sit here and talk the heart and say, "Well, you know, Austin, you know, Connor McDavid uh, was the best player in the world this year. He should have won it, and uh, Austin Matthews did." For me, I sit there and say, I, "That's okay." I, it's, I'm totally fine with that. He deserves it. When you look at the Snyder kid, the kid that won the Calder, the defenseman, there was so much talk about um, the Zegras kid and, and, and the things that he did throughout uh, the course of the year. I am not surprised whatsoever that this, uh, I don't know his first name, uh, Cider, um, or eat cider. Yeah, he deserves it. He really does deserve it. If I, if you were to tell me Zegris would have won, I wouldn't be surprised with it. And you just keep going down the Ted Lindsay, which is voted by the players, right? Isn't that the mm-hmm. voted by the players? Yes, it is. Yep. If Connor McDavid would have won, if Sazerk, I don't know. I, I look at Austin Matthews. He deserves it. Great, great well, pick. I, I, I think. So, are you going to the, what are you what are you saying? Oh, hold on, Jr. Bergeron. What are you saying? Bergeron. Are you saying that you heard my rant? The Norris Bergeron and and the Selkie. Are you saying I think that the Norris Trophy is the most fucking off the chart, egregious bullshit call I've ever seen, ever? And I'm going to tell you, you heard the rant on Bergeron and the Selkie. I believe that there was two guys ahead of him that deserved it more than Bergeron. That's just my opinion, okay? But I'm going to tell you this. Roman Yossi scored 96 points on a team that barely made the playoffs. How is it this this player plays more minutes than almost all the defensemen in the league? Mm-hmm. He had what? How many goals did he have? 23, 20, 24 28. 23 goals. 23 goals, 73 assists. 23 goals? 23 goals and points. So, and, but, this is, and, and, he had more points by a defenseman in the last 26 years. 26 years. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your, finish your statement, Riv. You said finish your statement. I didn't hear it. I was frozen there, guys. Oh, 
Um, no, we said we said he and and he got more points by a defenseman in the last twenty six years. Like, think about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 20, 20, 20, like 90, 96 points for a defenseman in today's game. Um, I know there, there was more scoring in, t- in this year than, than since 1992, I think it was. Um, but Roman Yossi, and I don't even want to bring up this comment. I don't want to bring up this comment because you actually brought it up this morning in our tweet when we were texting uh, this morning. And you said that this was Roman Yossi's year. And you also said that Kale McCarr is going to win a lot of these for the next number of years. He is going, it's, it's hard to find three defensemen in the league that can compete with Kale McCarr for, for this trophy for the next, for the next 10, 10 years. years. And I, and I just look at, I look at Roman Yossi with the team that he was on. And how about and the being past the seasons. captain of that team and the season that he had? He had a world well, class season, a season that, that has Rich. not been done in 26 years, like JR said. Not only this year, look at his previous years. Look how great he has been year after year after year. And he's lost year after year. I mean, he was in it last year. And granted, Hedman deserved to win it. But this year was Roman Yossi's year to win it. For so many reasons, and I, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it, and I don't give a shit if anybody doesn't like it, this, this pick of Kale McCarr, and as great as Kale McCarr is, okay, he's, he's one of the best, probably the best defenseman I've seen since Paul Coffey, since I, I think he's the new Bobby Orr, but the season that Roman Yossi put together with a lesser team underneath him, I mean, Kale McCarr has a bomb team that he has to support him, and he still didn't have as many points as Roman Yossi. He probably doesn't play as many minutes as Roman Yossi, but still goes to show you how great Roman Yossi's year was. This was Roman Yossi's year to win it bar none. And I'm telling you right now, this is, what, this is my, my comment. This is a country-based pick. This is Canadian press this is North American press that were favoring the kid from Canada over the kid from, from Switzerland. Those same press that are keeping you out of the Hall of Fame. Well, no, different press because the Hall of Fame has a 30-person uh, board, board okay. that they do. But you can't tell me that not one of those people on that board helped pick the, the trophies because they probably did but terrible again, argument by me but carry on again but again like this is this is a this is a biased pick for kale mccarr kale mccarr is going to win four or five norris trophies in my prediction over the next couple of years the kid is unbelievable but to steal to give that trophy this year to kale mccarr over roman yossi is one of the probably one of the one of the most egregious bad decisions by the National Hockey League people to not give it to Romeo. I feel so bad for that guy. He's an amazing person. He's an amazing human being and an amazing athlete. That guy should be a model too. Yeah, he's beautiful. Oh my god! And by the way, I can't I can't get fired here like I did before by saying. <laughs> 
you know what? If that guy asked me, I'd have to think about it. I'd have to think about it. <laughs> he's gorgeous, but he's an amazing person. I feel bad for Roman Yossi. That was a terrible pick. Uh, can we switch off? Because I, I want to go back to Austin Matthews, what, what Riff said. I can understand how Austin Matthews gets picked by the players in the Ted Lindsay. I can see how he won the Hart Trophy as most because scoring 60 goals in the league is as rare a thing nowadays as ever. Scoring 126 points this year, as Connor McDavid did, is not so rare anymore, especially for Connor McDavid. We saw a feat and a guy that scored 60 goals in what, 73 games, 72 games? Holy shit, man. We haven't seen that kind of goal scoring since Stamkos, right? Back in the, when he scored 60. Yeah. How many, how many times has Ovechkin scored 60? Once? Mm, Ovechkin did uh, definitely did once. 60. Did he not do a 65? Six, I think he had 62 and 65. I feel I like he so. might have had two. He I'll scored check. 65, I think, in his third year, Ovechkin did. But I, I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure in uh, year, year three, I could look it up right now, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I mean, either way. Like, in the past 25 years, it's been done by three players. 65. Yeah. He had 65 his third year. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Austin Matthews did something that only two other players have done in the last 25 some odd years, scored yeah. 60, 60 goals. I mean, he, he deserved I, – I can I'm, – I'm totally on board with Austin Matthews winning all these awards because what he did is, was truly astonishing. What, now, Connor McDavid might be the best player on the planet, but I don't think his feats were anywhere near what Austin Matthews did. Now, why didn't he show up last night? Because he's running around with his girlfriend. Out <laughs> <in London. laughs> no, yeah, he might have a black eye from when he got home. My question is, why didn't he show up last night? Did he know who won? These guys know who won before. No, I don't think they do. Oh, come on. You, all the New York Rangers, they had a collage of videos for, hey, Sturkey, uh, great, great win, congrats, blah, blah, blah. By the way, I just want to say, that is a slap in the face to the National Hockey League if, by the best player in the world, by the way, that you don't show up to at least um, acknowledge your nomination. The face of the league. Yeah, yeah. That's he was nominated the for the Hart and Ted Lindsay. Ted Lindsay and yeah. what was the other one? Uh, he, well, he won the Art Ross. Yeah. I mean... How is it possible that he does not show up? Uh, did, Sidney Cros- did Sidney Crosby ever not show up for an awards bank? No, oh, man. Ceremony? I don't know if he was there every year. There was a stretch of years where I didn't watch. You know, it was unwatchable, like last night, but I watched anyway. Man, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not big bad, on the soap bad. opera bullshit when it comes to that type of stuff, but man, would I like to know what the hell's going on right now with old uh, Connor McDavid and, <laughs> and his, and his uh, girl after, you know, just to understand it, like, are they together? Uh, they, 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 do you think maybe that's they why they weren't there? Let's turn this into a, a gossip column here. You think that's why he wasn't there? Why wasn't he there? Do you, no, do you he's on think- vacation. He's on vacation with somebody. He's on vacation. He's, he's in the Bahamas somewhere or traveling somewhere. 
get, getting his, his postseason vacation in. And this, this award ceremony just happened to fall in the wrong time of the year that was interrupting his, his vacation. And he's like, see ya. That's like, that's yeah. like, who is that like you in, in any other sport, not going to their, to the war, to yes. the awards. Yes. As you the, are as obligated. The you get paid Say it, Riff. 12 and a half million dollars by the Edmonton Oilers, which is part of the national hockey league. You are obligated to be there. Obligated. You yeah. are you are if Hedman, if Hedman and McCarr have to be there in the middle of the finals, the face of the league should be there. Sorry, Riv, carry on. No. It, it's it, a disgrace. This I mean, it is, you know, I've called a lot of face. things a, a disgrace. This this is just this is just really bad. It's a bad look. It's it's bad yes. press. You know, you have arguably one of the greatest hockey players to ever don skates. He is the face of the franchise, face of the franchise. He is the face of the NHL. He needs to be there. Yeah. You know, if he's going to go by himself, then so be it. You know, you know what he's, you know what he's telling everybody? You know what he's telling everybody? The same thing that you are, Petey. That, that what, they're, what the NHL is doing is junk. It doesn't mean anything. It's junk. It's it's a non-event. It's, it's you know what it would have been awesome. Or he knew beforehand that he wasn't winning this? and didn't it want. It, does, it doesn't matter. Even if you this? do know, you have to be there. You have to be there for the camera to go on you as being the best player in the world and and the show everybody and, what it's and, like to be and, a, a a good loser. Yeah, and clap yes. and clap and and clap for somebody else. Yes, right? I agree. Way to go, Austin. Way to go, kid. Great season. That's his obligation as the face of the league to support everybody in the league. And he didn't do it. Fail. You know, the funny thing <laughs> is that, like, like F. if you're, if you're, Fail. If, you, if you're one of those two guys, if you're Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, who would you rather be? Who would you rather be right now? And in, in terms in of like, no, no, no. In terms of the closest team-oriented to win the Stanley Cup. Like, what team is Edmonton Oilers made the playoffs. Edmonton Oilers went to the second round of the playoffs. But what team would you rather have? Would you rather have the Toronto Maple Leafs or would you rather have the Edmonton Oilers? I'd rather be in Toronto. The Oilers went to the third round. Yeah, I'd rather go to Toronto. I'd rather have Toronto. I have a more solid team around me. I live in a in a, a, a bustling, bustling city. That's a lot of fun. The hockey central. I mean, not, not, not taking anything against, against Edmonton. Edmonton's a fun city, but it's not Toronto. Well, when you go from in, in uh, you know, goaltending out, the goaltending in Edmonton is, is not good. Um, and I won't take anything away from, from Mike Smith. I think he's had a really good year, but he's also, He's also getting older. I mean, listen, I mean, he, he's, he's done a nice job, but he's, he's in his 40s, correct? And then, yeah, you have, then you have Tron Maple Leafs. They have to sign their number one goaltender in Campbell. He's an unrestricted free agent. Is he going to be back? Nobody knows. You look at the defense core. I think Toronto has done um, 
a nice job of of continuing to gather some some veteran guys, integrate some younger guys into that lineup. They look a lot stronger than what they ever have on defense because Toronto for years and years and years, you look at their overall team, their defense was always their their weak point. It seems like they've they've done a nice job solidifying that. And then, you know, you look at the you look at the the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, 12 forwards. I think they have to really, really do a good job, you know, working on their their bottom two lines. Yeah, it's pretty close in the forward aspect. But let me get, let me let, hey, listen, I and, and I didn't watch anything. Who won the Jack Adams last night? Um, Daryl uh, Sutter. Really? That's interesting. Why I love heads? Daryl Sutter. I, I, I love Daryl Sutter, by the way. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. It's so one of my I. favorite coaches. Some One of my favorite coaches. But um, You had Andrew Burnett as the other one. I can't I, – I wouldn't be able to name him because he basically took over for, for, for a coach halfway throughout the season. Well, I've got um, some very interesting news about Burnett, if you wouldn't mind. That had, that, that had an amazing team behind yeah. him. Yep. And I the mean, timing of this is very interesting after last night. Would you like to hear this news? Oh, boy. Andrew Burnett is no longer the coach in Florida. You knew that was coming. Wow. Knew Paul that was coming. Maurice is going into Florida replacing Andrew Burnett per Elliott. No way. Yeah. I mean, the fucking. Elliot just, tweet, Elliot just tweeted that hold, out hold, 15 hold, hold minutes hold ago. I'm fucking looking. I'm looking outside for the fucking aliens that comes out because I think I, I think I live on a fucking another planet right now. Holy Maurice! Uh, yeah. What the fuck? You don't like that, or you like that? Oh my god! Okay, so dark horse, unbelievable. Yeah, I can't. And by the way, Paul Paul Maurice is a good coach. Like he's a good coach. He's a very good coach. Damn right, he's a good coach. He's a real good coach. That's a pretty that's that's a pretty good pick by Flo. I mean, I didn't see that coming there. I didn't see that coming there. I actually, Craig, you were, Craig. Hold on, sorry, Jr. You were very critical of Andrew Burnett in the playoffs. Oh, very critical. Yeah, there was there. Was I was a lot. too. Were you, Jr.? I can't remember. Oh, I just know gosh. that Riv was like, like every day that they were playing. We didn't talk about it every day on the show, but every day that they played, he was just coming on me. There like, are so many bad coaching decisions, uh, or like the the one goal when they scored with two seconds left in the in in the game, one second left in the game, and lost to Tampa on that great pass from Kucherov. Number one, you have the fourth line, third or fourth line on the ice in the last minute against Tampa when you're up, when you're tied, right? Going overtime. And then you're then you don't tell your you don't tell your defense or you don't tell your people just be smart. Two defensemen go behind the net to the same guy and leave a guy wide open. These are all stuff that the coach has to be telling them in the back of the bench. Hey guys, let's be careful here. Let's keep a guy in front of the net. Keep the net clear. Let's let's get the puck out. Let's be smart. Let's be smart. They weren't smart. Yeah. They had guys taking penalties in the last five minutes. The coach is supposed to be saying, guys, stay disciplined. It's 3-2 in the last five minutes, and you have a guy take a roughing call with four minutes left in the game when you're down 3-2. 
This is the coach in the back of the bench saying, guys, we got to stay disciplined. Let's stay out of the box. Let's battle. Let's battle. Let's get this back. Andrew Burnett did not do a good job. And when you have a coach that is on the Jack Adams as the coach of the year and he gets fired right after saying something, what the fuck is going on? Probably not the same as Nolan and uh, Ted Nolan and uh, Buffalo, though, eh? All the rumors that were going on here, probably a little bit of a different story, but yeah, it, 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 that, that is something where, um, I would imagine this and I, I, and I don't know any information on, on this, but I would imagine when you, when you have a, when you have a head coach who is named, you know, a quarter of the way into the season, he, he's named head coach of the team. He takes the, the team to the president's trophy and they're the number one team in the national hockey league. They have over 60 wins. You go into the playoffs, um, you, you barely scrape by in, in uh, the first series with uh, Washington, and you go to the round two and you play Tampa Bay, which yes, basically swept. just dominated them, swept them. You know, there was no emotion. Um, you know, I just watched John Cooper in that series against uh, Florida. When John Cooper didn't like what he saw, he got very aggressive and verbal with the refs. And what this does is the refs feel that and understand that. And in their spidey senses, they're like, oh, we got to calm things down. So we're going to probably make a call to calm down John Cooper, right? It's, it's like John Cooper sets things up in advance that may, it, it, it may trickle down throughout that game later. You know, do you remember that? Do you remember that play, Petey? When uh, the, the Hagel cross-checked, one of the most dangerous plays I've seen all year, all year in every game that I watched, it was the most dangerous play. Florida Panthers kid, Finnish kid, goes flying into the boards, almost kills himself. And you have Andrew Burnett on the bench with his hands in his pocket, just kind of shrugging his shoulders, shaking his head at the ref. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, he should have no, been up on the bench and making a statement, making a scene to those refs to have him understand that they missed something. That should have been a five-minute major. That kid should have been suspended. It should have been on and on and on and on. doesn't do anything. Yeah, and these are little things that, for me, um, a coach it shows is they not care. Because you're engaged. It shows that you, it, it fires up your team sometimes. Yeah. It is yeah. sending a message to the refs sometimes. Yeah. Like there's all different games. You're not just standing behind the bench going, yeah, go ahead, uh, Barky and uh, Huberto, go ahead here. No, you need yeah. you need some some pop and some there's there's times to calm your team down and there's times to elevate your your uh, self, uh, you know, and what you're so- promoting. So for me, it's, I'm, I I wasn't, uh, I think that I I think the players spoke, this is not like, I think the players at the end of the year, they have their, their exit meetings. I'm sure that the owner and, and, and the GM and all those guys are sitting in the room and they're saying, where did we go wrong? And the players are probably like, we've, we've got the team that can win a Stanley cup, but I'm not sure about the guidance. Yeah. Bang. Boom. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Bang. So who was um who was so 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 Sutter won the Jack Adams. Who was the third that was nominated? 
Who was who? Who were the three? PD. I can't remember, guys. Was it was it, it, was it not was it, Bednar? Was it, was it not the guy who should have won the Jack Adams? Is Rod Brindamore? I think he might have been. I mean, by a country mile, Rod Brindamore should have been the coach of the Listen, year. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. You know, you got you got Daryl Sutter who came into Calgary. You had Johnny Goudreau who had a terrible hockey season. You had Kachuk who I'm had a say, terrible I'm not saying, season. I'm not all those guys bad, had a Rim. season. I'm not saying it's bad. And he went and kicked all those guys in the pants yeah, and took that team to were they not number one in their in their division? I'm pretty sure that they yeah, were. Yeah, they're number one. Yeah, they're number one in their division. Yeah, they they were a team that was uh, that really oh, really played played very very well. So. You know, to yeah, me, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind have it. any I mean, problem with Daryl, Daryl Sutter. I, I don't either. I'm, I'm, I love Daryl. He did an amazing job. But if you want to talk about a team that, you know, I think Carolina, you know, just, I think they, they, they were they, were they second or third in the league in points? Yeah, in the well, league. This is the, this is the other thing. It's like we talked about this last year, Jr. When, when Rod Brennamore, Rod the frickin' bod, is up for, for. Uh, contract. He's an unrestricted free agent in the in the coaching world, and the guy goes and signs for a million and a half dollars. That's bullshit, man. It was Burnett, Gallant, and Sutter. I like Gallant too. Yeah. I like yeah, Gallant, Gallant did, and, uh, Rangers. He did yeah, a nice they, job. They did a great, great job. Great job. But again, you remember? Do you remember that he signs for a million and a half to to, to coach in Carolina? I mean, what the hell is going on here? Guy is truly one of the top five best coaches in the NHL. The guy should be getting six million dollars a year. Who just signed for seven? Who just signed for seven? Torts signed for seven. Torts did Torts get seven? I don't know. Somebody. I, I, I don't know. Well, maybe it was uh, Barry Trotz in Winnipeg. DeBoer. I don't know. Is DeBoer getting seven in well, Vegas? I don't know. Somebody I heard just got one of the coaches just got seven. I'm, I, I heard. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's why, why do we not, why is that not public? Why is it not public? Like why, like we can go and we can look at every single player in the NHL. We can look at how much he gets paid per year, how much he gets in a signing bonus. You can look at his career earnings. You can know everything about this guy. Why can we not go? Why is there not a site that we can go and look at uh, coaches? That's a good question. question. So so players don't know. It's not held against the players. Players don't begrudge the coach because of how much money he's making. Dan Biles, my herd, used to walk around Buffalo saying, I'm making this much money, making five-something million a year, five-something million a year. Three, five. Or 15 million over five years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he had a five-year deal or something. Yeah, three five. That's what it was. Three th- three million or three five. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're right. Not you're not right. a not a good thing for the coach to be doing. Not a good thing. Yeah. Not a good thing. Just well, you know what though? You you remember this, Jr. You remember like, you know, when I not when I came in, but a, little, a few years after that. Let's just say you know, like two thousand and and beyond. A lot of those coaches were making, you know. 500,000 were oh, was yeah. the, you know, the average salary for a coach, the, the high guy might've been making a million. Okay. But the, the average was 500 and some guys were making even less than that. You remember that? Yeah. Of How course. do you go coach yeah. team when you got a guy making $8 million? 
And the guy's looking at you going, listen, don't tell me what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Because there was a lot of that going on. Do you not think? I'm shocked. Like, because the coach's salary doesn't count against the cap. So I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that there's other players, like what you just said, other coaches that like with Brendan Moore making one five, that guy should be making seven. He should be making 10 for what he's doing. John Cooper should be making 10 for what he's doing. Right. I mean, it's. John Cooper just to... seems like the coolest guy. He, you know, he just seems like such by the a way. By the way, it's a great comment by you. He literally, literally is one of my favorite people yeah. on the planet. Yeah. He's the, he's the most respectful. He's the most fun. He's the, he's, he shows up. He's interested in everybody. He's got a personality. He's fucking smart. He's fun to be around. I'm telling you, John Cooper might, might be one of the greatest coaches that I have, I have ever seen in any sport. I got a chance to sit or sit, stand around a pregame scrum. I, I can't remember why. I don't know if it was one of the games that I was doing for color commentating on the, on the radio one night. Uh, here in Buffalo, or if it was just another game day thing, but I was able to to stand around him at uh, the pregame, like so, so like you're you're after the morning skate, like before the game when the coaches talk, uh, and just listen to him talk and his demeanor. And I just mean I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking, I could listen to this guy answer questions all day long. I mean the way he talks to people, how respectful he is. You know, he looks in the eye, you know, he gives you an honest answer. And yeah, he just seems like the type of guy you, you know, you, uh, so you know, secret you, why the players kill for him. Right. So I'm a, I'll tell you how, how liked John Cooper is um, when, when lightning were playing Chicago in the 2016 Stanley cup, um, you know, in between games, everybody's out having dinner. John Cooper is at Chicago cut. Okay. Which is the best, one of the best steakhouses on the planet and Charles Barkley was there. And, um, so we're all sitting around the table and, um, Charles Barkley comes over to, to see John Cooper, John Cooper looked and says, Oh my God, it's Charles Barkley. They had such a mutual respect for each other. But the fact that Charles Barkley, who, who we know he's a huge hockey fan, literally came over to meet John Cooper and was, was just talking about how, awesome he you know he was and you know talking hockey it was a really cool sight to see you know one of the best athletes of all time basketball players and one of the best personalities you know be so enamored by a hockey coach it was really a cool um and exchange of talent you know charles barkley another guy i'd love to meet another he told guy. a story he told he told a story on uh, espn the other day he was on espn in between in, in intermission with Shelly and yeah. Ness and Levy. And he, uh, he, he talked about the night him and I went out partying um, right that, till two in the morning, right before his game. He came into the locker room at Chicago stadium. Where's that number 27 at? Where's 27? Where's that? Where's that Rona kid? That 27. I want to meet that kid. And he came over to me. He goes, man, you play hockey. Like I play basketball, man. It's ridiculous, man. You play, you play you are one badass motherfucker. And he's talking to me and I'm like, oh my God, this is Charles Barkley. I'm 22 years old. He's coming in to find me and to meet me. And right before we leave, I'm like, hey, Charles, 
you know, I'm going out to shoot some pool and have a couple of beers after the game. You know, if you want to come join, he's like, I might do that, my friend. I might do that. Charles Barkley never going to come. So I'm at Excalibur, which is the club in Chicago. It's one o'clock in the morning and I'm shooting pool. My wife is with me. It was my girlfriend at the time. My wife's with me, a couple other guys. In comes Charles Barkley at one o'clock in the morning. And we drink beers and shoot pool till about three in the morning. And he's got a game that night. And we got sloshed together. And it was fucking awesome. And How did he do? Did you go to the game? I didn't see what, I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the game, no. But this is when he was with Philly. And him and I have become very good friends ever since. And I'll tell you what, Charles Barkley is probably the biggest, the greatest uh, personality superstar I've ever seen that cares about his fans and it has time for everyone and is kind to everyone. He could be an asshole. He'll be an asshole back if you're an asshole to him. You know, we've seen that. Did you but see the video what? of him last oh, week? Oh my God. I'm going to go, I'm going to go bang your mama. I'm going to come over to your house and that. fuck Who your mama. That? That's what he said to some guy on a camera. Charles Barkley. Imagine if I said that. Can you imagine if I said that sitting on set? Holy smoke. He and Shaq are the best, man. I I said something that was like, Uh, that's a hundred on the, on the, on the holy shit meter. That's a hundred. Mine was maybe a a nine on the holy shit meter. And I got fired. And Charles just, it's okay. How do you even respond to that if Charles Barkley says that to you? He probably picked up the phone. He probably picked up the phone and he probably picked up the phone and called his mama and said, Mama, lock the door. Lock the door. Uh, oh my God. JR, great stuff today, uh, man. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve52 at the instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.